Scottish Widows must be one of the most iconic brands in UK financial services, and after almost a 10-year absence, they are about to launch back into the advisor protection space. My guest today is heading up that relaunch. While she isn't going to tell you all the secrets of the new proposition, she does drop some tantalising hints. Esther is passionate about customer engagement and shares her views on what we as an industry need to do to improve that engagement. Hear Esther talk about the importance of using emotions rather than statistics to empathise with customers. Listen how looking at completely different propositions, in this case Spotify, can give you a different perspective on customer engagement. That's all right here in episode 27 of the Marketing Protection and Finance Podcast. Welcome. You're listening to the podcast for providers and advisors looking to share business ideas and inspiration in the world of protection and finance. For each episode, you can find the show notes and links to things we talked about at rogeredwards.co.uk forward slash MPAF. So let's get on with the show and here's your host, Roger Edwards. Hello and before we dive into my interview with Esther, let me just quickly tell you about how we recorded this episode. Podcasting is easy, usually. All you need is two people, a Skype connection and a widget called Pamela to record it. On this occasion, however, we had technical problems and lost some of the interview, and so we had to record some of the questions again later. As a result, you'll hear slightly different sound quality during our chat. As Esther's so busy jetting up and down between Edinburgh and Glasgow at the moment, however, we decided not to re-record the whole thing. And, of course, we recorded this interview last year, in 2014, so when I make reference to Scottish Widow's launch next year, I do, of course, mean this year. Oh, you know what I mean. So here is my interview with Esther, warts and all. So let's get started. I'm delighted to introduce you to my guest today and she is Esther Dextra. Esther is Head of Protection at Scottish Widows and she's currently working on the relaunch of Scottish Widows into the IFA protection market next year. She is famous for her sense of humour, although she won't tell me what sort of sense of humour she has, but the little-known fact about Esther, which fascinates me a lot, is that she rides the Queen's horses. So, Esther, welcome to the Empath Podcast. Thank you, Roger. Very pleased to be here. Esther, I need to know a little bit more about the Queen's horses. Just tell us a little bit about how you got involved with that. Yes, I um, moved to Britain about 15 years ago. And I was riding horses um, in Holland, that's where I'm from. And so my husband had looked at clubs in London to ride horses and he found this civil servants riding club, sounds very exciting. And um, they normally had a waiting list, very long, but that day they had actually lost the waiting list and I could do a test ride to see if I was um, suitable to ride those horses and they took me in. And the reason we ride the horses is that most um, of the soldiers who ride the horses, so the troops, uh, household cavalry, are not actually really good horse riders. So army people aren't actually that good at riding horses? No. Uh-huh. And um, 
should be careful when I say that. <laughs> and uh, no, they're not selected for their horse riding abilities. Mm -hmm. So the horses become a bit naughty. And some of you might have seen that with the trooping of the colours, that uh -huh. some of the horses do balls off. And um, yeah, so they have a group of us, the civvies, as we're called, who ride the horses to keep them in shape, to get their bad behaviours out. And we do that at Buckingham Palace, actually, in Knightsbrick Barracks. So you might see me sometimes at Hyde Park Corner on a horse. Wow. And do you actually take part in the trooping of the colour? No, no, no. That's no, we're not. Uh, no, that's, no, so you're exercising yes. the horses yes. outside of outside the official of engagement. Yes, yes. Oh, that, that's that's yes. really interesting. Still very cool, but uh -huh. not, you know, the trooping of The next time I'm in Hyde Park Corner, I'll definitely keep an yes, eye out for you. So before we get into today's main discussion, everyone on the Empath podcast would really like to hear about you, Esther. So give us some background about yourself so that we can get to know you and find out what makes you tick. Yes, yes. I will give a little bit about that. So I started life as an economist for all my sins and was then went into management consultancy within financial services. And actually, one of my first jobs in the UK was being involved in the usability testing for more than, um, if people remember that, which okay. was the um, Royal and Sun Alliance when they did their first sort of digital online GI proposition. Yeah, I remember that. Yes, yeah, that was uh, quite exciting at the time, but many years ago, I think that industry has moved on a lot. I then moved to legal in general in 2003, well known, I guess, with most of your audience. And I did a variety of roles there. So I did the first co-funds deal, did the Bradford and Bingley relationship, and I hasten to add, I did leave them solvent and um, set up an IFA change team. But most of my time I spend in the housing network, which includes the Morgs Club, and I was the marketing and commercial director there. I then finished my time at Legal and General just uh, before RDR and of course they had to um, have a big change program to be RDR ready and I led that and delivered that and after which Scottish Widows kindly asked me to launch Scottish Widows protection back into the IFA market and I've been enjoying doing that with support from people like Alan Banyan and Johnny Timpson that many of you know, Jerry Brown, Nigel Bradshaw, and it's been a great journey. Of course, so you've just uh, name-dropped quite a few influential people <laughs> there. <laughs> Johnny Timpson, for example, was the uh, Protection Review Personality of the Year. I know that you're not going to be able to tell us much about what you've got in store, but can you give us maybe a few hints as to what uh, what the protection proposition is going to be like and maybe some of the things you've been thinking about as you've developed your proposition for relaunch? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm not going to give all the trade secrets away just yet, but um, what was at the forefront of our mind was not every advisor out there sells protection on a daily basis and is protection specialist. So that was one of the things we wanted to do to make it easy for advisors to engage in protection and to go through that journey in a simple way. And secondly, what we also had the opportunity to do is to start with a blank piece of paper, as it were, and make that end-to-end -end journey one online journey. 
So that's were the two key things we had in mind. I think some of the feedback I've, I've had on the podcast from advisors that I've spoken to is that the protection market at the moment is quite complicated. The products are complicated. We've got hundreds of critical illnesses, or it seems like hundreds of critical illnesses and partial payments and ABI plus definitions. And also the application process is quite long. It takes a long time. There's a 32 pages on the application form, perhaps. Then we get into the underwriting. So perhaps what you've looked at is more of the process mm-hmm. than the actual product. Is that is that giving yes, too much yes. away? Yeah, I think that is fair to say. We have done some things on the product as well. But as you are very well aware, for advisors, it's important to make a comparison between the products. And if you go to left field that becomes very difficult to do and it becomes more complex so you have to sort of take that indeed into account. indeed yeah. and it'll be interesting to see what you've done because i think there is a real clamor out there for simplicity of process i think we have got to the stage where not only the ifas are getting fed up with the length of time mm-hmm. it takes to apply for a policy it's the consumers as well mm-hmm. you know they feel it's intrusive so going to be very very interested to see what mm-hmm. scottish widows have got up their sleeve and of course it'd be interesting to see the brand back in the market yeah. because let's face it the the scottish widows has to be one of the most iconic mm-hmm. financial services brands in terms of the visual identity mm-hmm. so i'm really looking forward to seeing what you've got in store so let's have a think about this week's uh, main discussion and esther you're going to be you're very interested in helping advisors grow their client banks, mm-hmm. aren't you? What do you think advisors need to be doing to grow their businesses and focusing on their customers? Mm-hmm. Yeah, there are lots of ways I think you, you can grow your client bank. But the one I picked out for today is um, having the sort of female touch in the advisory okay. market. Okay. And um, it's a topic close to my heart. I'm one of the few females in Scottish Widows that is in a senior position. And I think I, I can say that's reflected across our industry, being it with providers or with advisors. I think we uh, we probably didn't do our homework before we pressed record here, Esther, did we? Because we were going to look upon Google and find out how many, what the percentage of women was in the financial services industry. We forgot to do that, but I think I'm guessing it's probably 10% or less. Mm-hmm. The, of women in the financial service industry in providers and advisors so it's good that you got to a senior position within Scottish Widows and, and tell us a bit more about the, the female touch that you hope <laughs> to introduce to the to the proposition and indeed to, mm-hmm. to helping advisors grow their client bank mm-hmm. Yeah, so um, just first to take you back to the percentage point, I know, Mm -hmm. for example, in Scottish Widows, only 28% of of senior positions are are filled by females, and that's a lot of work is being done to change that. And one of the things to look at to do that is to look at what your unconscious biases are. Okay. And because a lot of people have them, but you quite often don't realise you have them. And a good example I will give is um, when I went back to work after I had my first child, a lot of people asked me, did you come back full time? Mm -hmm. And I would say to them, would you ask that to a male colleague who had their first child? And people would get a little bit defensive because they didn't mean anything nasty with it. But it does tell you you've got an unconscious bias Mm -hmm. and it's important to understand as an advisor, you know, working in a product provider, do I have those? And there are a lot of tools on the internet that can help you establish, oh, do I actually have them? Mm-hmm. And how would, a, how would this unconscious bias prevent an advisor from 
connecting with his customers? I think it's protection is not an easy topic. No. A lot of advisors, you know, and protection is quite often ancillary sales, so either mortgage or investment, which are areas that are okay with more fact-based, you know, conversations. Um, and they are pleasant as well. Mm -hmm. Everybody wants to buy a house or everybody wants to think about what they're going to do in retirement or what they're saving up for. So protection is a very emotive and more difficult conversation. And I think we struggle as an industry to really connect and relate to all customers out there. Uh -huh. And maybe in particular with females who tend to be more often the carers in families, and perhaps not look at just the facts, but also need that connection on a more emotional level. Mm -hmm. And if you have a more diverse group of people looking at that, so males, females, but also possibly ethnic minorities, etc., you will start to communicate in a different way. Mm -hmm. And I think as an industry, we still mainly look at facts and figures. We talk about protection gap. We talk about 25% of people are underprotected. You've got a one in four chance to get ill. Or, you know, we tend yeah. to keep it very at that and are not very creative in our way with engaging with customers. Mm -hmm. I think that's an interesting point you picked up on there. You use the word emotion and emotional connection and I absolutely agree with you. How often do we hear statistics? And you know, I can trip them off my tongue. The protection gap is 2.3 trillion pounds, isn't it? Yeah. You've got a one in three chance of getting cancer before yeah. the age of 65. You know, 500,000 people have cancer, stroke and heart attack a year. These figures are almost ingrained within our consciousness when we work in the protection industry. But there's nothing emotional about that. Well, I suppose it, it can create negative emotions within you. I'm much more interested in the sort of stories that we can tell mm -hmm. about families who have been effectively financially rescued mm -hmm. by protection policies mm -hmm. and every single advisor who's been selling any form of protection for many years must have claims that have been paid by now mm -hmm. and he can tell those stories to new customers perhaps even to the media and that's a much more emotional story and a much potentially better connection with other customers than just tripping off the same level of statistics and the same level of stuff. Is that is that the sort of Absolutely. angle that you're looking at? And I think a good example in our industry now is the Seven Families Initiative, which is a great way of, of you know, communicating in a very different way. Bit of a leap of faith because it's it's you know sponsored by the providers, but mm -hmm. not you know that's not what you see. It's really bringing out the stories out there mm -hmm. what a different protection can make to people. Mm -hmm. I think the seven families again, it's something that comes up on the podcast all the time. It's just a remarkable way forward. I think that we must have had three stories by now, mm -hmm. three out yep. of the seven. The third one I read it in the newspaper and it almost brought a tear to my eye so it definitely ticks the emotional boxes but again instead of focusing on the fact that you know so many people will become injured and won't be able to work because of some sort of illness or some sort of accident here we actually have a proper stories of the effects on in real people and it just goes to show how much more that resonates with the public. I really hope that the Seven Families Initiative is, is very successful, it deserves to be successful and let's hope that the whole industry benefits from that emotional input. Mm -hmm. And I think like I said it's so important with protection sales to connect really with customers and to engage and if you have just a more diverse group of people or group of advisors 
then you can all feed into each other, try different things of communicating. And um, I will give you a bit of a, an example that I'm trying to do with my team because, you know, we're as guilty as any uh, in the provider world. So I've now challenged them to in our monthly team meeting to give it their update in a different way each time. Could be acting, could be singing, could be dancing, rhyme, mime, doesn't wow. matter. Just to stretch their thinking a little bit in terms of, uh, yeah, how you communicate. Uh -huh. Because uh -huh. like most advisors, like most of us out there, we tend to go back to nice PowerPoints or stats and, and discuss that. So you could say something yeah. like, d describe critical illness in the way that John Cleese would describe yes. it, or that yes. sort of thing. Yes. I mean, yeah. that, that some people listening to this might think, wow, I don't want to go into any of her meetings. No, I think <laughs> my, uh, my finance manager said that he might take holidays. <laughs> but actually, it's a really creative way to get people to think. I really yeah. like that. That's the sort of thing that I would have done um, in my old role. Do you think that, the, well, I think that this also applies to the way that we communicate in writing. Mm -hmm. And yeah. these days, of course, we were recording this audio podcast and, of course, video is becoming more and more popular now. What, what, what's the style and the tone of voice that you think we should mm -hmm. be using in written communications, on the websites, in audio, on video that might just make a bit of a difference? I think the style should be more in terms of storytelling, more analogies you know, moving away from that fact base, painting pictures, using clever tools that you have mm -hmm. nowadays, animations, mm -hmm. to actually explain, you know, um, different parts of the product, of the process, mm -hmm. because in the end, you still have to, you have to engage with the customers, but you still have to get them through mm -hmm. the, the, mm -hmm. the process as well. So I would say that that's very different. And I'm not saying that, men aren't good at that but I think if you have a more mixed group of people looking at that you will get a different outcome mm -hmm. that will probably reach you know more people yes. than if you just get one group of people who all think a little bit alike yes and and go down that same route all the time uh-huh I'm, I'm in a real stickler for simple language I've had a almost career-long battle against passive sentences. I hate the passive voice, and this industry uses the passive voice so much, you know, the, mm -hmm. the check was issued yeah. by the yeah. claims department instead of the claims <laughs> yeah. department issued the check, yeah. and, and the, the, the sort of bureaucratic and jargonistic mm -hmm. language we use. And one of the best ways I find of writing these days is to write like you talk. Mm -hmm. And if you can write like you talk, and let's face it, you can buy dictation software now that'll just transcribe stuff right down and that's a great way of starting off mm -hmm. then you've got to go through it and make punctuate it and make sure yeah, that it's grammatically yeah. correct and all of that but rather than starting mm -hmm. with that sort of officious language I do think that even that will help that emotional connection yes absolutely yeah, and I think but also stretch it a bit wider mm -hmm. just really go out there with, with creating different storylines analogies mm -hmm. and um, yeah to get the message to again I've, I've said this so many times on the podcast marketing these days is not just about promotion it's about storytelling it's about education as well mm -hmm. we're promoting our products and of course we want people to buy our products but predominantly we're educating people about the consequences of mm -hmm. things and of the of the implications of things and of course we're trying to educate them to appreciate 
the protection products that they that are available. Yeah, and I think as an industry, we haven't been brilliant at engaging more customers. Mm-hmm. We've sort of been fishing all in the same pond, and it is good to mm-hmm. widen, you know, the number of customers we reach, as opposed mm-hmm. to all fighting mm-hmm. for the same ones. Mm-hmm. And that is a way to do it to engage more mm-hmm. customers. Thinking back to the work that you've been doing then in the in the lead up to the, the Scottish Widows relaunch and this desire to be much more consumer engaging, what was the what was the light bulb moment for you? Take take us back to the to the beginning when you first started to develop your ideas. Well, I think for me that is really a long time ago and it's a bit of a personal story but um happy to share. I first realised how important it is to be financially independent. Um when my mum phoned me and I was still a student and um, after a slightly nasty divorce but unfortunately that does happen a lot she told me she was financially just about okay because she got herself a job but effectively my father cut her off and but that she was very worried that if something would happen to her like you know she would have an injury because of a car accident or whatever that she would have to move in with me <laughs> uh, and, and that, I, that you was know, a scary prospect yes that was a rather scary prospect and interestingly it made me realize how important protection was but also my parents did have a financial advisor and i think she shouldn't have been in that situation i know it's you know personal circumstances always very complex so that's a one for another day and probably over a glass of wine but that's <laughs> made me realize how important it is and and how important that connection with customers as well because my mum turned to me but not, as it were, to have financial advisor. Is it actually just the fact that as an industry, as a protection industry, we just don't talk to customers enough to create propositions and marketing campaigns and sales campaigns that actually tap into that raw emotion? And maybe Seven Families is the, is the first example where, where this is starting to work. Do you think that that's part of the problem? Yes, I think traditionally we've done indefinitely from a provider perspective, you know, we've been manufacturing, as it were, the product and and not always engaged with that customer. That's a relatively young journey, as it were, but we definitely want to develop more, talk to them more, understand them better, connect more. And I think there's, for me, a very good analogy with the music industry, um, because Spotify is, is one of my favorite apps or if you want to call it that um, and I think that industry went through a whole transformation of where people always thought uh, you know and customers they want to own something like an LP or a CD with the music on and actually it then became no they don't want to own something with the music on they want to own the music and so you had Apple where you could download your Apple Music files and then with the iPod and then of course Spotify took it one further by saying no people don't want to own music or own something with the music on it they just want to listen to the music they want to listen to wherever they are whenever they feel like it and I think that's a very good you know you can see and I'm not always entirely convinced that as an industry we've decided you know you pay a monthly premium and you get paid a lump sum if you're critically ill or if you die. And I'm not entirely sure 
if that is what customers want. Of course, the million-dollar question is, what do they genuinely want? And I think we're still on a journey in finding that out. That is so fascinating, Esther, because, I mean, that resonates with me because recently, literally over the last week, I've actually decided to pay the premium version of Spotify, which means that I can download and listen to tracks and actually have them offline as well as online and all of that. I actually wonder, when we ask consumers what they want, it's not the fact that they that they've not been telling us what they want. I think sometimes they don't know what they can have. And that's one of the problems because you always have these anchor points. And until recently, I've been one of these people who said, no, I've got to physically download an MP3 mm. onto my iPhone and, and I can't get past that. Then all of a sudden, for whatever reason, I can't remember, it's probably my son badgering me to, to um, <laughs> sign up to Spotify. Suddenly, I've got access to millions upon millions upon millions of songs and I can listen to them instantaneously. And now I'm thinking, you know, why was I so stuck on well previously cds and then mp3s and now it's just all in the cloud i just sometimes think that the consumers don't actually know what they can have so when we go out the wet there and ask them about life insurance and critical illness cover and income protection we're trying to get the insight to find out what it is that would make it better for them but they can't really articulate it because they, their anchor point is that all life insurance policies are, are dull, they're too expensive, and I've got to pay them for many, many, many years, and they may not pay out, so it's actually a waste of money. And they've got that as the anchor point in their mind, and they can't get past it, and therefore they can't tell us what the best situation would be because they can't really conceive of what, what that is. Yeah, no, I fully agree. So there is definitely something in different engagement with customers, and I think a more diverse industry would help that. Even just having this conversation with you now makes me realize how much we need to do to engage with customers. And, and that Spotify example, there's a blog in that. I'm absolutely convinced there's a blog in that. What's the one big idea that you would like those people who are listening to this episode of the Empath Podcast to take away from your experiences that you've been having whilst trying to redevelop the Scottish Widows Protection product range and align it better to consumer needs? I would like everyone to challenge their unconscious biases. That will be your favorite word. Um, and like I said, there's a lot of tests available out there. And just for people to, you know, do one of those and reflect on that. And I'm sure that there will be a few out there who will learn something from that. That's what I hope people will take away. Excellent. And of course, everybody's now champing at the bit to find out what Scottish widows are going to do. I'd like to wish you every success in the in the run up to the launch. And obviously, I'm sure that we'll, uh, we'll have the opportunity to speak again, either before or after the launch to catch up on how it's gone. Before we go, however, Esther, I always like to finish the Empath podcast with a quick fire round of business questions. Are you happy to stay for a few more minutes to do that? Yes, of course, and I look forward to my next invite, Roger. I enjoyed this. Good. If there was one thing that you could change about the financial services industry, you know, somebody hands you that proverbial magic wand, what would it be? Yeah, besides, you know, I have to say more females in the industry, but I would say that we make it easier for customers to understand their protection needs by working with employers and government, I think, because people just do not really understand that yet. What's the one business model, product or campaign that's caught your attention in the last year, even if it was from a competitor? Tell us what it was and what you liked about it. Well, I have to say the Seven Families Initiative for the reasons we've discussed on the podcast. I think it's a very good step 
in the direction to engage with more customers in a different way than we've tried before. And like you said, I've read the stories and, and they are very moving. Tell us about an app or a gadget that's made a huge difference to your life and or your business. Well, I don't want to upstate you, Roger, but I've had Spotify is definitely mine. <laughs> so I have, I've had it for a while and I use it a lot and I absolutely love it. Being an 80s girl, it's so nice to be able to just type in artist or name of a song and yeah get that song there and as, then. as i say i bought i uh, subscribed to premium spotify i was looking for 80s bands myself the thing that amazed me the most is that i actually managed to find the soundtrack of a concert it was actually the reading festival in 1987 believe it or not i actually managed to find on spotify the entire concert that i was at and i was so Aww, excited that is that is great that, that brings a smile to my face so that's why it's such a good app i do love it as well and finally what's the best book that you've ever read tell us why you like it so much and what you took from it <laughs> well i'm a huge Tolkien fan, so Lord of the Rings, and um, one of the lines in there goes, small chance of success, certainty of death, what are we waiting for? And that's how I felt a little bit when I started on this journey. <laughs> <laughs> and before we sign off, Esther, tell everyone how they can contact with you on Twitter, LinkedIn, your website, or indeed wherever you are on the internet. Yes, people can find me on LinkedIn uh, under my name, Esther Dijkstra. And there are only there, there's probably only one, and of course on our website, which is www.scottishwidows.co.uk. Well, thank you, Esther, for talking to me today. It's been a really fascinating discussion. I'm with you on the need to engage customers in a more enlightened way. Let me wish you every success with the launch, and hope to catch up with you again soon. Yes, thank you, Roger. Thanks for the invite, and I hope to talk to you soon again. listening to the marketing protection and finance podcast do please look at the show notes at rogeredwards.co.uk forward slash mpaf for links to the apps and topics and books we discussed if you enjoyed the show please leave a review on itunes simply visit rogeredwards.co.uk forward slash itunes and leave a review if you are a provider or advisor or journalist and you have a product, campaign or business model you'd like to talk about, please get in touch. You could be the next guest on the show. And do remember, nothing we talk about on the show is financial advice of any kind. It's all just thoughts and opinions, okay? Okay.